0: So we got together that day, and uh, from the first downbeat, it was just like, whoa, this is something pretty special. It's, you know, the energy and the um, camaraderie and, and chemistry that you have with certain musicians is palpable, you know, when you can feel it. And that's kind of how it was that day.
1: Hey, everybody. Keith Billick here. Welcome to a special Backyard Summer edition of the Picky Fingers Banjo podcast. And for many regular listeners, you will know that when it's a nice day up here in Michigan, I like to get out of my basement studio, and by basement studio I mean a desk in the basement, and retreat to the more natural environs of my backyard studio. And by backyard studio I mean a table under a tent with an extension cord, but it does help the soul to get out and enjoy a little bit of nature, so... Uh, If you are hearing some of that nature, that's why. So I I hope you enjoy my little uh, snippet of Michigan summer that I'm sending to you. It's a lovely day, and what better sound of summer than the sound of a banjo? And hopefully you'll be able to enjoy a bit of that as well. You know who's going to be able to enjoy a lot of banjo sounds coming up is David Yeary. He just retired and is planning on devoting his entire retirement time to practicing the banjo, which I'm looking forward to already for myself. Uh, David spent some time running the newsletter for the Southeastern Bluegrass Association in Atlanta and has interviewed plenty of banjo players himself. So, David, feel free to pass along whatever tips and advice you have in the interviewing realm. Congrats on your retirement. And did I mention that David also happens to be the special patreon supporter of this episode he went to patreon.com slash banjo podcast and signed up to donate a few dollars per month to help keep this show running and of course you do get extra special rewards uh, for being a patreon supporter so once again head on over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show yourself Another reward that I actually do not mention very often is that intro music that you are hearing right now. Those are some tracks that I put together with some of my uh, best musical friends. And one of the rewards for being a Patreon supporter is that you will get individual MP3s of both of those tracks as well as banjo tablature. So you can uh, impress your friends by playing the Picky Fingers theme song at your next jam session. As always, feel free to also support the show in various other ways. Spread the word among your banjo-loving friends and family and neighbors and complete strangers. Share links around social media. Follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or just let me know what you think. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at podcast at gmail.com. Today's featured guest is Gina Britt, the banjoist and vocalist from the band Sister Sadie. Gina has some serious bluegrass street cred. She goes back a long time and has been a mainstay on the bluegrass scene. Her current band, Sister Sadie, has won numerous IBMA awards including uh, multiple Vocal Group of the Year awards and an Entertainer of the Year gina herself was recognized this year by spigma as the banjo player of the year so she is a serious musician and her band's sister sadie is a a great group extremely entertaining and i was able to catch them this year at dell fest Now, you may notice that this episode is slightly shorter than the average episode. That's because at Delfest, Gina had just sort of a tight window of availability. But I was really fortunate to be able to make her sit down and talk some banjo with me. And uh, she's a great musician, great performer, and a delightful person. So I know that you will all be putting your hands together and giving a warm, picky fingers welcome to Gina Britt.
0: I'm originally from Pinehurst, North Carolina, uh-huh. and I started uh, with interest in the banjo because my grandfather was a square dancer. Hmm. Uh, he used to call square dances, so I, my family and I, used to go to the square dances on the weekend, and okay. that's kind of how I got introduced to string music. Yeah. And uh, my dad asked me one year what I wanted for Christmas. I was seven years old, hmm. and uh, I don't know, kind of, I don't really know why. I said a banjo, <laughs> but that's what came out of my mouth, <laughs> and um, I I didn't get one for Christmas that I? but I did get one for my eighth birthday. Oh,
1: how cool. I mean, I've had, as, as someone who has raised young people who have been seven, your answer might have been different if he asked you 30 minutes later. You yeah. know, That's just kind of what it is. Right. So, something popped in your head. Yeah. I imagine going to square dances. You were probably hearing mostly clawhammer playing, right?
0: There was a lot of clawhammer, and but some uh, three three finger style, uh, Earl Scruggs style. Um, there was a gentleman that lived uh, not too far from where I grew up. That my dad actually ended up after I got the banjo. He took me. Uh, his name was Charles Singleton, a local banjo player down there in North Carolina. And um, my dad would take me over there. He would. It was back in the days of cassette tapes. Sure. He would uh, sit me down, and um, he would play the song to me, and we'd put it on cassette tape, and, and yeah. he would kind of show it to me a little bit during uh, during the lesson, I would, I, if that's what you want to call it, a lesson. Yeah. And then I would take the cassette home, and I would kind of play along with it, and that's that's how I learned.
1: So no sheet music; it was you know, just by rote, completely or completely by yeah. ear. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Do you have any idea what it was? Uh, you know, you were seeing. Fiddles and, and guitars and other instruments too. Do you have any idea what it might have been about the banjo specifically that caught your attention enough to <laughs> tell your folks that you that you wanted one?
0: Honestly, I think it was just the the amazement of of the coordination of the the speed of how the banjo player because he was doing you know three finger style picking okay. at the time, and just I was like, wow, I, yeah. re- I really want to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's cool. What types of Songs or, or music was uh, Charles. You said his name was.
0: Uh-huh, Charles. Well,
1: what was he teaching you?
0: Uh, well, he started out teaching me Cripple Creek and uh, Cumberland Gap. Okay, and you know, just kind of your standard, under kind of your standard
1: bluegrass rite of passage, yeah. types of things, yeah. And so, at what point did you start? I don't know, playing and playing with people or finding uh, folks to jam with.
0: Um, from that point, I, I started uh, kind of deep diving back in, into the history of, of bluegrass. Hmm. Uh, so I went back and I listened to Flatt & Scruggs, the Osborne Brothers, and J.D. Crowe, and yeah. all them. And then I I grew up, uh, where I grew up actually, was only like 30, 40 minutes from Denton, North Carolina. So the Doyle Lawson and, and Several Festival was there. Ah, uh-huh. And so I got to meet Doyle Lawson and his band at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, they got me on stage to play and I was hooked. Oh, how As cool. a little girl, so um, I, yeah, I was very young when he got me up the first time to play and I was pretty much hooked. So I've, Doyle Lawson's band was a very big influence on me and Terry Balcom in particular.
1: That you mentioned it, that makes a lot of sense. That's a big part of the sound that you have, is is his, you know, his famous drive is comes through a lot for you as well.
0: Yeah, I I uh, I gravitate towards melody a lot and that comes a lot uh, from my dad. He he was like, play what you want, but make sure that the audience always knows knows which song you're playing. So that's kind of stuck in my head.
1: In in terms of being able to maybe give advice to players out there who might have difficulty? Do you have anything to say about how to focus on the melody or how to bring it out even more in your playing?
0: Um, well, what I do is I listen to the singer. Mm-hmm. I, and that's one thing that I, I really enjoy. Um, I, you know, there's there's contest players and there's yeah. More technical players there's band players and i I really consider myself now more as a band player because I do listen to the singer and i I grew up around the the quicksilver era mm-hmm. and um it was very important to know when to play and where when. not to play um listen to the singer and and that's where the melody came out to me and i would I would always follow along with the the singer um but also stay out of their way don't, or don't cover up the singer that's very uh, important to me I think
1: stay out of their way in terms of um, not playing too much while they're singing or yes. maybe even also like a, a tonal range in terms of the, the frequency range
0: as far as like giving, give the, the singer uh, room to, to breathe without having a banjo you know up there yeah. y- you want to accent around their, their lines and sure. for me I think that's that's important and yeah. that's an art to learn to learn how to do that
1: when did you start singing yourself?
0: I started singing um in church when I was probably uh ten or eleven
1: okay, yeah, and was that something that came pretty naturally to you?
0: It did. I always sang at home and in in the car and oh. I, I would I would pick out j d Crow's baritone parts and huh. di- different parts to sing and I really enjoy singing harmonies um but um I did fall into singing a little bit of lead there. <laughs> okay. Now, I do a little bit of lead here and there.
1: <laughs> now, are you mostly the baritone singer for your band now? Is that the I, part you grab?
0: I do mm-hmm. sing lead um, on a portion of the show. Okay. Um, but I do sing almost all of the baritone parts in the in the trio.
1: As a baritone singer myself, I know that it's often hard to pick out those parts. That There's just something about the way it... It blends. Do you have Do you have anything to say about how you trained yourself to hear those? Whether it's JD Crow or, or any baritone singer.
0: Somebody once told me that uh, when you're singing the baritone part, you want to be able to sing it, and if what, exactly what you just said, you want to sing it where nobody can pick out the part. Uh huh. So you want it to really mesh and. Phrasing and even like with uh, with banjo playing phrasing vocally, I try to match. You know, whoever's singing, you have to watch watch their mouths and mm. and things like that. But I also listen to uh, and J D Crow Speaking of him, he was the the finest of the art of like I said, going in and around lines. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the fact that it's notoriously hard to pick out, at least if it's being done properly. How did you pick it out then if it was so hard to hear? You just have to to focus that much more. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I guess I I I did a lot of really listening in the car. Of course you have to to learn the other parts to be able to pick out the baritone part. So you have to kind of know what the other parts are as well. Okay. And then you kind of hear it seeping in, you know, here and there, but
1: and I imagine you think that being a singer yourself probably Helps you a lot as a banjo player to do everything that you've just been talking about.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um, that um, that's, that's been a, a big focal point of of my playing and with with bands is is trying to be respectful. That's a good word. I think respectful of your your other uh, band members and making sure that everyone shines when they're supposed to be shining. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, and you'll get your chance eventually. You'll get eventually.
0: your chance eventually.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the that fundamental sound, the the drive of of Bauckham and and what you're trying to do. How would you recommend somebody achieve something like that? What sort of things did you practice to get to to sound where you are now?
0: Um a big thing of that is is timing too. to uh he when I was listening to Balkam, yeah, you know, he he keeps that role going, and that's another thing that I've learned to do, and took me a while to do. Is mm. I, I actually play while I'm singing. Hmm. A lot of banjo players, they'll maybe they'll stop if they sing a, a part, but yeah. I've I've learned that. But Balcom also did that. He would keep that role going, just a kind of like a freight train in the background, like mm. a rhythmic thing, and I, it's just. Great. So that, and that's what I did. I did use a metronome when I was, when I was learning how to play. I would okay. use a metronome and get that timing going and learn how to, to get the role. And then when you get, get into a band situation, it's that much easier to play along.
1: Okay. Do you feel like being even more specific, like what role are we talking about, or maybe even demonstrate what it sounds like to do a, a Bakum style, like kickoff with proper drive or, so, or something like that?
0: Well. You're just kinda rolling that banjo along okay. and, and it's and he would run the bass line a lot. Okay. So he's running a lot and keeping that it kind of kinda lines up with the bass as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I see that. Mm-hmm. And even for playing with a metronome, I mean, there's a lot of conversations that happen about you, you can play with a metronome and still be behind the beat or ahead of the beat and all that. Did you pay attention to that part as well?
0: No, I. as I started doing that, I learned that I like a metronome and maybe even a drum click. When I started recording, um, I would feel very natural um, when I had like a like a snare drum going in the background as well hmm. that would kind of keep me keep me focused and in time a lot
1: yeah that helps okay. me gotcha yeah so what was what were the next steps as you progressed into like a professional caliber player what were your next opportunities that you that you went for
0: well I I played uh, until learned kind of on my own through, through until I was 18 and then I started dabbling with other instruments and Bass and, and guitar and I my first professional gig was actually on acoustic bass, okay with Petticoat Junction right. Um, so I played with them for a few years and then I uh, moved back to Raleigh and I played with a band called New Vintage, okay. And then um, I played with Lou Reed in Carolina, yeah, for about six years and that was a really. Um, so I got to come full circle and play <laughs> with, with my with the, hero. Yeah. So I play when I first started I played bass and Terry was playing banjo. So.
1: Oh how cool.
0: So yeah. And you,
1: you never did play banjo with that project or you I did. did oh yes. wow.
0: Terry ended up leaving uh, Carolina and so I switched to banjo. <laughs> Guitar, Alan Bobby was playing mandolin, yeah. and Randy Barnes on bass. It was what a, a really, band. it was yeah. a great band.
1: And how was that pretty intimidating for you to to be?
0: It was filling in for and somebody I, like that, yeah. or not
1: filling in rather, but for
0: you know, absolutely. And I um I learned a lot while I was there. As far as um, Lou taught me a lot about singing, and and of course, Balkum. I mean, hello, I'm sitting there with you know my hero yeah. there.
1: Are you able to articulate more about what you think you learned from being in a band like that? Whether it's about singing or whether it's anything specific or just
0: uh, their um, approach? Sure. For instance, uh, with Lou, learning to sing, he would teach me little nuances that I've I've used throughout my career, like mm-hmm. like if you end a note and you've got say it ends with a T, yeah. And you've got three singers all ending with a T somebody <laughs> needs to silence that T for okay. it, for it kind of blend and and it not you hear at the end of so that little little things like that and and also matching phrasing watching watching someone's mouth like if you don't don't know the song very very well you can watch them and pretty much learn it pretty quickly if you'll watch the singer Wow instead of just listening
1: and do in terms of the inflections, do all three parts tend to work in parallel, or is there a
0: sometimes? And sometimes yeah. there's a way uh, you can jump, you can jump parts, and mm-hmm. I learned about that too okay. uh, to make it blend better.
1: Hey folks, there has never been a better time to learn banjo online through video lessons, and the best game in town is Peghead Nation, one of our sponsors. With Peghead Nation's streaming video courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele, you'll be able to learn bluegrass, old time, and plenty of other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of banjo instruction with some of these courses. Check it out. Beginning Banjo with Bill Evans, Bluegrass Banjo with Bill Evans, Clawhammer Banjo with Evie Layden, Wade Ward Style Banjo with Bruce Mulski, The Banjo According to Danny Barnes, and Contemporary Bluegrass Banjo with Wes Corbett. Now, no matter what course you select, they're all going to come with high-quality, multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation, plenty of tab, play-along tracks, and tunes and songs for you to learn. Perhaps best of all, if you join any of these Peghead Nation video courses now, you'll get your first month free just for being a Picky Fingers banjo podcast listener. So just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code Fingers at checkout. Another sponsor of the show is GHS Strings. We banjo players know that a banjo is only as good as the quality of strings that you put on it. And GHS has a long track record of providing the top quality in banjo strings to some of the top industry professionals such as Bela Fleck, J.D. Crowe, Sonny Osborne, Todd Taylor, and me. I'm a GHS user. So check them out at GHSstrings.com. Now if you ask me where I go to purchase my GHS strings, that answer is simple. It's the same place that I go for all of my banjo, guitar, and any other stringed instrument needs. It's Elderly Instruments here in Lansing, Michigan. They've been family owned since 1972 and it's the world's most trusted source for new used and vintage instruments and all the accessories and strings that you might need. Now, if you aren't close enough to Lansing, Michigan to visit them in person, you can also see their entire inventory online at Elderly.com or feel free to give them a call to speak to a knowledgeable salesperson at 517-372-7880 or once again, see what they have at Elderly.com. And then tell me about how Sister Sadie came to be. I think I heard something about what there was a, a big performance, and uh, you you just say it. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm already forgetting what I've what I've
0: read. Uh, well, the Daughters of Bluegrass was a, a project that Tom T. Hall and his wife Dixie had done, and uh, there were, gosh, I don't remember how many women was on it, but um, from that, uh, a group of friends uh, that were on that project decided we were going to do a. Um, a show at the Station Inn mm-hmm. in Nashville, just for fun, yeah. um, at Christmas time, just to okay. kind of uh, get together and do that. So we got got there to the Station Inn. I, re- I can remember it was on a, a a Saturday night, I believe, and it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. We got together to kind of go over what we were going to do that night because we'd never played together. <laughs> right. So we got together that day, and uh, from the first downbeat, it was just like, whoa, this is something pretty special. energy and the um camaraderie and and chemistry that you have with certain musicians is palpable you know when you can feel it and yeah. that's kind of how it was that day absolutely yeah. that's
1: great and obviously sister sadie has turned over a couple members here and there but that was the yeah the, beginning of the
0: original band was um dale and tina adair and me and deanie richardson and beth lawrence that yeah. was the original wow. band yeah
1: what a what a great group
0: yeah and we, so after that, we um, started getting phone calls because, um, you know, you can't go anywhere without cell phones these days, right. people taking videos. Um, but we started getting phone calls and people wanted to know, would we do it some more? Mm-hmm. So we decided to do that and we did it a few times and was like, we kind of like this. So. And um, did you all
1: have to like quit your other projects type of thing? We did not. Okay. It
0: ended up starting as a special project band. We just kind of yeah. did it on the side. Right and. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We ended up doing it um, and coming up with a name, and our name came from this. Might be something interesting that people might not know, but um, so our name, we were like sisters, and we're all huge Tony Rice fans. Mm. Um, so the little little Sadie, little Sadie, the song Little Sadie, yeah. so um, that's where Sister Sadie came from. Excellent, Sister Sadie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is there a point where you felt like you? grew into having your own banjo style that was maybe distinct from the people who you had listened to and emulated?
0: Um, yeah, I, of course I've, I had several people that I really admire and listen to. Uh, so there was Terry and then there was Sammy Sheeler. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing that I love about his playing is that he's, um, He's like a freight train as well, but he fills the song up. He's like all over. His dynamics are amazing. He's up and down the neck. Um, So I've taken a little bit from him and a little bit from Terry. And then Scott Vestal, gosh, is just... I ended up. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of time with Scott Vestal over in Japan for several months. I played huh. bass in a, in a group with him over there, okay. and so I got. I spent every day with him for like four months, oh, wow. and uh, it was a pretty amazing experience to be um, that close to him and get to see his work ethic. He's hmm. he's uh, probably the most dedicated musician I've ever met in my life. He plays a lot,
1: just practicing, uh, practicing. Okay. Yeah,
0: still, you know, and. Uh, What I should be doing every day. (laughs) Yeah, me too. He's amazing. Um, And then, probably one of my hugest influences was Lynn Morris. You can take my money and you can take my pride. And you can take that long road down the mountainside. Go downtown and fool around, but you're not fooling me. I'm not the one you love, so don't come home to me. I'm tired of being light too, tired of growing old. Tired of living my life for love grown cold. And um, that's because she... Um, she does play and sing lead at the mm-hmm. same time, and I—I I was when I first saw her, I was like, uh, "That's the woman I want to be right there." Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I—I I really, I really admire her a lot. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's hard not to. Yeah. Sometimes I like to ask this question: like, if a student came to you and said, "I want to play exactly like Gina Britt," what are the important things I learned? What are the you know, after you've taken all these things from Sheila and Bacham and everything, mm-hmm. is, is there anything that you feel like um, maybe isn't unique to you, but maybe is like a tool that you use a lot in your playing?
0: Other than the things that I've, I've mentioned about the um, being respectful of the singer, um, mm-hmm. I really, I just really like the role. The role. <laughs> just the, the ongoing role or behind, a, behind the singing and not stopping. like yeah. to do some like little syncopated things occasionally but I'm not a very technical and you know outrageous player I just kind of play along <laughs> with the band and very simple And but I, I, I do love play, and I love playing with the fiddle
1: yeah yeah and you're very good at it. Lo- I love when you is it is it Deanna? Am Deanie. I, Deanie I'm sorry yeah. I, I knew I was going to get it wrong but yeah, yeah. The, the two of you are a, a great combo up there. Thank you Let's talk about your instrument here. What a uh, okay. What is this? And tell us all, all about the other, you know, banjo-specific gear, if you have picks that you like or a bridge, all, all the... Okay. Give us the rundown.
0: All right. So I have, this is a 1966 RB250 bow tie mm-hmm. uh, Gibson, and um, I've had this since I was 12 years old. Hmm. My dad actually... Uh, found this a guy up on the Blue Ridge Parkway in Virginia. Um, he, he, my dad met him and he had had it, it had been under a bed for like eight years oh, when, wow. when my dad found it, but I've had it ever since it, and this particular banjo was stolen out of my home it's been several years ago now and was gone for seven or eight months what? And, I, and I ended up uh, getting it back. It was at a pawn shop in uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And right. you
1: never. This was just like a random breaking and entering kind yes. of theft thing.
0: Yeah, out of my home.
1: Oh, how amazing! And yeah. the the pawn shop that it showed up at—that was a, a local place.
0: Yeah, it was probably forty-five minutes away from my home.
1: Oh man, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> what a story.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm very partial. My dad passed away in two thousand nine, and I'm um, very, uh, very. This is a very sentimental piece to me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds wonderful, and it actually still looks like it's in pretty good shape for it is how, how old it is.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll play a little tune that I wrote, and then I'll tell a little bit about the other banjos that I have. I've yeah. had a bunch of other banjos, and I end up migrating back to this one a lot because of the sentimental value. And
1: well, at the very least, you probably had to have one after this one was stolen, you're not expecting I'd, that right. you would ever see it again. <laughs>
0: yeah. This is a tune that I, um, that I wrote called Raleigh's Ride that we do. uh, It was recorded on Sister Sadie, too, and uh, me and Dini kind of kick it off banjo fiddle style usually.
1: Yeah, very cool. And I'm, I'm so glad you played something because it made me remember that I had to ask you about planting your fingers. And of course, everybody gets uh, exposed to different people's opinions about needing to plant this one or that one. Right. Uh, and I'm noticing that you only plant your ring finger. So, so yeah. give, us, give us the scoop of that. Is that something that you wrestled with at any point? or how? To, yeah, tell yeah. us about
0: Yeah, I... You know, just like you said, everybody wants to know, you know, how are you supposed to do it? Yeah. And I, I tried it every which way, and I finally ended up doing it, and my pinky just kind of flies off in the air or whatever. <laughs> um, but I finally figured out, you do what's the most comfortable for you, mm-hmm. and that's what I ended up doing. That's how I fit, you know, that's what's the most comfortable for me. So I just plant my, uh, my ring finger down there.
1: So I, I assume than that if there's somebody out there who uh is uncomfortable planning both and is really wrestling with it, you would probably advise them to like don't even worry about yeah,
0: it. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Yeah. Be be yourself and and do what makes you play the best that you can possibly play for yeah. you for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any uh we, we talked about your instrument. Is there is there anything else that you view as essential in terms of like bridges or picks or a microphone that you use? Anything like that?
0: Um, I have, uh, I use blue chip uh, thumb picks and I, I used to um, use Dunlops for years and mm-hmm. years. And then I. but I, I really love um, the blue chips. For me, I, I don't hear like the scratch that you get off of some some thumb picks that you hear lots of times in playing. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get that with these, and it's very, I guess, I don't know, for lack of a better word, it's fluid for me. You just don't, you just keep, you know, it's easy. You don't hear a bunch of the pick noise, yeah. really from it, right? Um, and then I've got the um, Sammy Sheeler finger picks, hmm.
1: yeah. and and is there something you like about those? Is it the sound, the feel?
0: I do like the feel. Um, they, I feel like I. It, I feel like they make me go faster. Oh really? <laughs> no, no um, they um, they are. If you look at them, uh, whoever's out there looking at them, if you look at a picture of them, or if you try them on, they they are to me. They're a little bit slicker. Um, they just kind of they glide across the strings. Well, if I remember easily. right, they
1: kind of have a, a rounded and they do edge have, to it, right? Yeah. So it's never going to be quite as scratchy as maybe it could be. Yeah. Excellent.
0: So that's, I I love those. So i use the blue chips and then the Sammy Sheeler finger picks. Yeah, wonderful. And then I have a, um, I've got, I just uh, acquired a Fishman tuner that I use. I'm I'm loving that. And um, this is a um, Collins, Barry Collins from Virginia Hmm. makes um, capos. They're um, very, very nice. Um, you can look him up on Facebook, or
1: that's something that he offers and yeah, generally,
0: yeah, he does. Oh, cool! Um, I don't think he, I've come th- across those. I think he's got a uh, a little back order log on him, but because okay. he, he he doesn't do it, you know, um, all the time. But he makes them up, but they're really good.
1: Yeah, looks looks really nice. Yeah. So we're about up to time, but uh, okay. I I want to at least definitely give you the last chance to say. Anything else that you, you felt like you'd like people to know about? or I,
0: I do have uh, a couple of endorsements, banjo endorsements, other than this one um, that I have. So I have a Hatfield um, okay. that, that I play, and it doesn't have... It's one of the, the woody uh, models. It doesn't have the tone ring. Hmm. It's just got the wood rim. And um, so it's very lightweight. Hmm. Uh, it, it's got a great tone. Um, I wish I had it with me, but... Um, only brought this one yeah, yeah. <laughs> up here um but the the Woody's sounds great just doesn't with the um the difference in that is that if without the tone ring it doesn't have a, like if you're in a jam situation it doesn't doesn't have the volume mm-hmm. um but in a studio and on the stage it's wonderful yeah. yeah it's amazing the tone that you get out of a banjo with no tone ring is really awesome
1: yeah they can get Closer than you would think. Yeah, right
0: so Arthur Hatfield out of Glasgow, Kentucky makes those. Yeah, and I'm endorsing those, and then I also have a custom uh, Wilson banjo. Steve Wilson made mm. me a custom banjo. That particular banjo was in the um, Sister Sadie had an exhibit in the Country Music Hall of Fame for a year, mm. um, and that banjo was in, on exhibit there. And I just got it back um, okay. just a few weeks ago, but it was a uh, All custom, the inlay and everything. um, I helped design that, and um, it's got little personal things about my dad and and my daughter. I have two daughters. I have a 16 year old and 18 year old daughter.
1: Okay. So. um, And you designed the inlay.
0: uh, Me and Steve. uh, I he he did everything, but Mm -hmm. I helped come up with the design. (laughs) Yeah, I gave him some ideas. It's great.
1: And then a custom uh, Gina Britt. A uh, strap, I see.
0: Yeah, a hair Either that strap. or
1: like Green Bay, or it's just a coincidence that, that the letters match your initials, but I'm yes. assuming it's meant to be that way. Yes. Cool. And then how about like websites? Where do people go if they want to check out a show or buy some yeah. merchandise?
0: So I have a, a website, is Gina Britt, so it's G-E-N-A, Brit. .com. Two
1: T's and Brit. Two T yeah. and bread
0: yeah. So I have uh, a website, and then I have Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then Sister Sadie is SisterSadieBand.com. Got,
1: Got it. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks again, Gina. Love your Thank playing, you. and I appreciate you taking the time to meet up with me.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: And that's gonna do it for this episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. You heard some song clips in this episode and they were Big Country by Gina Britt, Carolina in the Pines by Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver, Blue Heartache by Lou Reed and Carolina, Not This Time by Sister Sadie, Love Grown Cold by Lynn Morris, and Ava's Fury by Sister Sadie. Thank you once again to David Yeri. He's today's Patreon supporter of the show. Head over to patreon.com slash podcast to support the show yourself. And this is Keith Billick signing out from my glamorous suburban Detroit outdoor backyard recording studio. I'll see you all next time.
0: find something in there to use.